Hello, my name is Brandon Cruz and welcome to my podcast. More Will Be Revealed is about recovery, about treatment, about sober livings, and about all the good, the bad, and the ugly things that go on in this uncharted world. There's a lot of people out there doing great things, some people doing horrific things, and everything in between. We are going to inform you on how to get through this incredibly hard situation, whether it's for you or for a loved one, because we know how difficult it can be. I've gone through it myself. Hopefully my experience can help you. So sit back, listen, and prepare to be shocked and prepare to get some hope because there is some. Welcome to More Will Be Revealed. Hi, I'm Brandon Cruz. I'm your host for More Will Be Revealed. We're going to talk to you today about some people that are doing some really messed up things in the world of recovery. Rehab owners that are in jail, that should be in jail. What can happen if you need to get help for yourself or for a loved one? There's so much to talk about. I really don't know where to start. Um, This all kind of began when I started working in recovery a long time ago. I was approached very early on in my recovery, about 21 years ago, uh, by a guy who asked if I wanted to help. He had somebody who needed some help and traditional methods of uh, 12 steps weren't working for him. And this person needed to be uh, sober. And this guy thought that I may have what it takes to help people along that line. And I did it. We didn't really know what we were doing back then. It was a long time ago. Uh, Now you have sober companions and sober escorts and life coaches and uh, just so many different modalities of helping people. But I'm going to talk to you about all of those things and more. Um, So a long time ago, I came into contact with somebody who knew that I was looking to work in recovery and... I spent six months in a trailer in New Mexico helping somebody not drink. Now, uh, I don't represent any 12-step group. Uh, I don't represent any type of recovery. I I will help anybody help in any manner that I can. This particular individual that I was asked to help uh, liked to drink a lot, and it was my assignment to keep him from going to the bars after work and going off the rails and not being able to show up in the mornings uh, to film a movie. Uh, He was a notorious Hollywood uh, actor uh, who I'm not gonna name because anonymity is a huge, huge part of this. We'll go into that later. Uh, But I was able to successfully keep the guy from hitting the bottle and He got to the set every day and he did his job and everybody was happy with it. Uh, The client, not so much. (laughs) He really didn't want to participate in long-term sobriety. Uh, I know for a fact that he did not get sober. So I would have to truthfully say my first case did not end in a giant success. It was only temporary. But if you study some of the modalities of of recovery, 
such as refuge recovery, the, the Buddhist way of doing it. Uh, it's all about renunciation. And this guy was able to stay sober for six months. Um, he's no longer sober now. Uh, unfortunately for him, he chose to continue uh, a downward spiral. And he really hasn't been heard of for, for quite some time. Uh, it's unfortunate, but it happens. I've had many, many more successes uh, with other people that I've been able to spend a lot of time with. Um, there are so many misconceptions about what recovery is and what treatment is and what rehabs are and what sober livings do and what, what a sober coach and, and what a, a companion can and cannot do for people. Uh, my thought is anybody with a breath in their lung has a chance as long as they're willing. Uh, although I have worked with people who are very unwilling. The, nobody's happy when I show up to help them. Uh, nobody's happy when they have to go to rehab, uh, unless they're willing, of course. Now, the willing people, that's a whole different story. Uh, I want to talk a bit about the unwilling and some of the places that they end up where they are taken advantage of. Uh, there's insurance fraud. There's sexual misconduct. There are people that will look the other way, money, money really speaks in the, in, in the high-end world of, of recovery, like along the Malibu Riviera, um, places in Europe that are $100,000 a month, if not more. Uh, you know, money makes the world go round and it will make people look the other way. It'll make people do things that they normally wouldn't do. Uh, most people that get into working in recovery uh, maybe rebuilding their lives themselves and to to come in and help somebody rebuild or reshape their life is, is a challenge uh, being somebody who works in recovery is not for everybody unfortunately there are companies out there that will accredit you and say you are now qualified to work uh, as a recovery specialist as a coach as a companion as a transportation person uh, as a tech in a, in, a, in a rehab, uh, so many different things. Uh, in my opinion, that's not the case. It takes a certain person with a certain amount of experience, uh, and I'm not talking letters after the name. That's really not uh, the criteria that I look for when, when I'm seeking somebody to do an assignment that, that I can't do. Now, I have worked in rehabs. I've been part of a team. Uh, I've been, you know, I, I was a surf instructor. Uh, I was uh, the guy that woke everybody up. I was the guy that put everybody to bed. I was the guy that made the coffee. I was, you know, I wrangled everybody. I took everybody in a van to, to meetings. We called it the druggy buggy. And we'd pull up and, you know, people would participate in 12-step groups and we'd take a head count and make sure nobody ran off with the, with the latest new person that maybe still had drugs on them. I mean, it's just, it's hurting cockroaches, but it's, uh, it's not for everybody. And, you know, I, I really want to address some of the misconceptions about uh, what it takes to work in this field. Um, some people shouldn't do it. Uh, some people should never go to rehab. Although I do believe that once or twice, it's a good idea because you get to learn the language of recovery. You get to be introduced to people who are also sober 
mainly the staff that works at, at, at a lot of these rehabs. Um, I mean, of course, there's always going to be a bad seed in, in just about every bunch of people that you come across that, that work at these rehabs. But for the most part, there's some really dedicated people who are uh, unfortunately in, in situations where it's understaffed and they're underpaid. But I've seen some amazing people gather together and rise up and do what's required to help people because it's, it's a certain special person that, that can do this, that can handle this. You know, to tell you the truth, it's, it's, it's hard. It takes you away from your family, it takes you away from your friends, it takes a tremendous amount of dedication. Uh, there are disappointments, people die, people relapse, uh, people don't want you there, people don't want to be where they are. Um, but when you get that magic connection with somebody and they're willing and you see these foggy, faraway eyes with, with just death in them, when you see those eyes light up and you see that they realize that there is a chance, that there is hope, it's, it's something that just keeps me doing this. Because when you have a success story, when you have a guy who, who wants to commit suicide, when you have a woman who wants to just drink herself to death over some trauma that she's going through and, and you can help them peel away what's going on and get down to the root of the problem and you see them grasp a hold of, of whatever it is that's, that's going to help them get sober, whether it's... Uh, and, and this is controversial, but there are people that do okay with cutting down. Uh, there are people that do amazing with MAT, medically assisted treatment. Uh, there are people that do f just fine with uh, renunciation. There are some people that take to 12-step groups from day one and they go and they keep going and they get a lot of time sober. You never know. You really never know what's going to happen. It takes a little bit of time to, to get into the situation to find out what it is that's making somebody tick. There are two things that addicts, uh, alcoholics, people who suffer from addiction, uh, there are two things that they hate or they really don't want to admit. Uh, those two things are change and the way things are. Uh, those are two very difficult things. If the way things are, are okay, and you're fine with being miserable, then you're gonna remain miserable. If you realize that you have to change and you accept that, then change is a good thing. It's also scary as hell. It's also really hard. You know, I'll tell you a bit about my story uh, eventually, and you'll, you'll see that it took me a while to accept the fact that I had to change. And I'll let you know why I thought that the way things were were just fine for, for quite a while. I was basically the last one to know. But as soon as I found out, and I really was honest with myself, and I took stock of my life, and I saw where I was and where I was going, and I saw that it wasn't gonna end well, I made the choice to change. Um, my job in recovery and treatment, in helping people uh, get to that point, uh, well, it's just that, it's a job. And it's one that I, I don't take personally, because really when it's all said and done, the only person that has to remain sober for a 24-hour period, if you adhere to the one day at a time thing, which actually is how time works for everyone, um, 
more on that later. Uh, if I hit the bed sober every night and I have gotten through a day successfully without taking a drink or a drug or acting out in any manner of addiction, uh, of, of behavior that is harmful to myself or others, then I've done, I've done well. And I have to celebrate that, that victory and, and wake up again the next day and say, wow, I woke up, I didn't die, I'm sober, let's continue. So it's a process. And to help other people get to that point, uh, well, everybody is, everybody's different. And some people are terminally unique. You know, I, and uh, just a side note, I'm going to pepper most of what I say with, with AA slogans and Buddhist refuge recovery slogans and new age stuff and hippie stuff and stuff that you wouldn't expect that comes out of my mouth. Because if you know me, I mean, I'm an old surfer, skater, punk rocker uh, who used to be known for doing some stuff on television when I was a real little kid. You know, I got a story that it's my story. It's not the best. It's not the worst. It's not the easiest. It's just it's personally my story. Um, I am a drug addict. I am an alcoholic. I have a problem with addiction. I have a problem with commitment issues. I have a problem with abandonment issues. I have some problems. I'm not perfect. But what I have done is I have listened to people far wiser than me who have been through this. And I have done the best that I possibly can to listen to them and to practice these principles in all my affairs. And that is straight out of AA. Um, I've also learned to let things go I learned to just be. I've learned that right now it's like this. And those are straight out of refuge recovery. And that's, that's the Buddhist way of getting uh, clean and, and, and to escape uh, suffering, to end suffering. So I may say things that don't sound so correct. Well, I'm human. What are you going to do? I am here to inform you. I'm here to bring people in who are going to inform you from a far more educated position than I am in. Um, we're gonna talk to doctors from UCLA. We're gonna talk to uh, clinical psychologists, psychiatrists, um, LMFTs, licensed clinical social workers. We're, we're gonna talk to uh, people who have more sober time than I do, because I only have 23 years. Um, it took me that long to get 23 years. It takes 23 years to get 23 years. But if I don't keep my connection to recovery strong and make it the most important thing in my life every day I could be a newcomer in the snap of fingers and I like where I'm at I like my life I like what I'm doing uh, I take great pride and great joy in seeing the successes uh, much to the detriment of my personal life sometimes uh, I guess this is kind of the introduction part, so I'll tell you a little bit of my story. Um, I, I was a mess, and it started at an early age, and it doesn't really matter what my parents did or didn't do. It was my, it was just what I did. I can't say I was born that way. I can't say I was raised that way. It could be a combination of that, nurture versus nature. There's a really big discussion about that 
you know, is alcoholism genetic? Is it something you learn? To me, it doesn't matter. If it becomes a problem and you, the person with the problem, recognize it and identify it as a problem, then you have a problem and then it is your responsibility to seek help and to change and accept that change is going to be the best thing in your life. And it's a very difficult thing for a lot of people. Now, uh, I myself, when I was faced with kind of an ultimatum from my ex-wife, uh, who told me if I didn't stop drinking and using the way I did, or <laughs> stop drinking and using, period, which is a good suggestion on her part, uh, that I would lose her and my 11-month-old son. And I didn't want that to happen, and I got sober the next day, and have remained sober. I haven't relapsed. I haven't found any situation in life that has made me pick up and put into my body something that I shouldn't. And I'm proud of that, but a lot of people have done it before me. A lot of people are doing it right now. It doesn't make me special. It just makes me sober. And I'm not blessed. I kind of really get, uh, makes, just gives me shivers to hear that. Um, you know, I'm not one of the chosen ones. Uh, I'm not religious. I came into uh, my, my my first introduction to recovery was through AA meetings. Um, now, I know that there's the eleventh tradition at the level of press, radio, and films, and the internet. I'm not supposed to say that I am a member of anything. So, that being said. I did just admit that I was introduced to recovery through 12 steps. It doesn't matter if I still do it or if not. If you see me personally, you want to talk to me, you want to send me an email, you want to send me a text, please do. We'll talk more about it because at the level of press, radio, films, and the internet, which this podcast is on the internet, I have to remain anonymous. Um, I'm probably going to rewrite this and say... <laughs> not say my last name, uh, but I feel it's important uh, to let you know what I went through. And I did a lot of drugs. I did a lot of drinking. I did a lot of things that hurt a lot of people. Liar, cheat, thief, scum, lowlife, liar, piece of shit. I was fucked up. And I did things that were not good. I did things that were horrible. I did things that were unconsciousable. And I regret that I went down that path, but I don't regret that I went down that path, if you can understand that. Um, it's made me who I am today. I've had resentments. I still have resentments against people. I've blamed a lot of people for my situation. Ultimately, this is of my own doing. And it's up to me to participate in whatever program I choose or not choose uh, to keep myself as a sober man. And I feel it's my calling in life to guide people into the world that is going to suit them and fit them and support them in their recovery. There's hopefully long-term sobriety and in changing their life. So. Everybody's different. 
uh, some people it can be called terminally unique because they think, look, you don't understand. I'm so bad, I can't be helped this way. It takes time. It takes time. Uh, you know, some people go to rehab and they find out they need to change and they do it. I'm not a big fan of rehabs uh, for many reasons. I've worked for two people that are uh, in prison uh, for running fraudulent rehabs. We're going to talk about those people a lot. Chris Batham and Kirsten Wallace are in prison for $174 million of insurance fraud. Chris Batham also up on, I believe, 50 charges and 30 convictions uh, for various uh, sexual misconduct uh, charges. So there are some very, very, very bad people out there doing horrific things uh, in the name of money and greed and power and uh, they're like cult figures. Um, there's a lot of rehabs that are being run by people that are just driven by greed. And it, it isn't just rehabs, it's sober livings, it's uh, companions, uh, the owners of companion companies, uh, the, the amount of backstabbing, the, the double agents, the bullshit, the cheating, the lying, the quest for the almighty dollar, it exists out there. It's a, it's a largely unregulated uh, field uh, anybody can open the sober living in the state of California, which is horrible. But I've seen some people get help in them. You know, so for every good thing about something, there's a bad thing. And then sometimes those bad things actually can turn into good things. Hopefully we can, we can sort all through that. Now, I will have a co-host on this show. Um, he's an award-winning uh, investigative reporter who does exhaustive work, like 30 years of the Menendez trial. His name is Robert Rand. He's won two Emmys. Uh, we're going to be including Amy Dresner, who wrote an amazing book about her journey, uh, basically to hell and back. Um, Amy is going to bring a breath of fresh air to this, uh, a, a view of, of a woman in recovery uh, because I can't speak for what it's like to be a woman in recovery. Uh, Robert uh, Rand has uh, addiction in his immediate family. Uh, he may not like me saying that. Uh, he doesn't need to elaborate. Uh, but there are so many things that we're going to bring to you. I'm going to assemble many guests, many doctors, a lot of people uh, that know a lot more than I do. So I'm kind of the conduit of gathering all of this information and putting it out there to let you, the listener, know that there is help, there is hope. Who to avoid, who to call, how to call them, what to do. It, it's, I don't know if I can do this in, in an hour. I don't know if I can do this in 10 hours. This is going to be a multi-episode podcast where more will be revealed about the ins and outs of a, a, a rather noble undertaking. But unfortunately, because there's money involved, uh, that attracts the wolves. And the wolves like to eat the meat. And unfortunately, the meat are the addicts. And they are just commodities. Uh, there are body brokers out there that will sell people into 
uh, rehabs and sober livings, pay them, it's illegal, it's human trafficking, it's, it's sickening, but it happens. Uh, and then there are people out there that fight this and they fight it every day and sometimes it doesn't really do them a lot of good to <laughs> to do this. They put their necks out there. Um, you know, Robert Rand was very instrumental in taking down this guy, uh, Chris Batham. And Chris Batham was a pool cleaning uh, hypnotherapist. Those were his uh, credentials. <laughs> he was not a doctor. He was not a clinician. He was nobody that should have ever been taken seriously about anything. But he was a con man. And he was really good at it. And he conned me. I started teaching surfing for him and I started listening to him and I was kind of new and I was listening to this guy go on about how he had written these books and he had the systemic family thing and the guy co-opted a lot of stuff and he plagiarized a lot of stuff and he was a just full of shit guy uh, that scammed and conned a lot of people. Uh, in fact, he scammed and conned uh, several insurance companies out of $174 million. Um, the good news is he's in jail now. Uh, the bad news is there are more people like him out there. So this Chris Batham, he called himself the rehab mogul, and he had a kind of Svengali uh, situation going on where he convinced a lot of people that he was the guy that was gonna help him. And you know what? There were people that got sober at Chris's places. Um, I know this because I saw this. I was part of the staff. I was, I was, I was working there. And uh, unfortunately, what I was doing was also allowing Chris to do his, his sexual predating, uh, his insurance fraud, his phony psychotherapist bullshit. Um, Chris Batham is a convicted sexual predator who targeted women in his care. Um, I think he took a plea deal for the uh, $174 million of insurance fraud. Um, he's an incredibly bad person, but as a businessman, he was rather typical of people that run rehabs. It's uh, last thing I read, uh, rehab operators were a $42 billion a year industry. Um, Batham was arrested in 2016. Uh, he ran a company at that point called Community Recovery. He also had a couple of other companies. Uh, the one that I worked at was called Seasons, and then it went into um, a different company. I can't remember. Uh, my brain doesn't work very well at the moment. Um, but uh, he took the Obama's, uh, the Obama insurance, uh, or uh, Obamacare uh, had, a, had a PCIP, pre-existing condition insurance program. And he figured out a way how to defraud that. And the weird thing about what happened when he got into community recovery was that it was free, kind of. Um, some people were charged um, probably off the books uh, by cash. Uh, many were given scholarships. And what really happened is that community bought insurance policies for patients without even telling them. P 
people who were very desperate for help. They needed a place to stay. It didn't really matter how they got in. They got in and they were grateful and it was free or free enough. I'm reading some of this information off of something from the Daily Beast, which is a website uh, that talks about uh, a lot of stuff. Uh, but this is, this is a very good article from the dailybeast.com about Chris Batham, the predatory Malibu rehab guru who ripped off Obamacare. Uh, so I'm not plagiarizing. I'm just uh, paraphrasing some of this stuff. Uh, Batham had uh, seasons in Malibu in 2012. Um, it grew into eventually community recovery. He had two dozen facilities in California, Colorado, he had 400 beds, medical clinics, a testing lab, an art center, a cafe, all kinds of shit. Um, and it was all a scam. And in this article here, it says, because he sometimes sounded like a cult leader, his employees jokingly referred to him as L. Ron Batham. Uh, I was never there for that. But then I quit um, once I saw that this guy was up to no good. Uh, I quit. He still owes me money, but fuck that. I don't need his money. Um, now that he's in jail, <laughs> you know, I've been paid a million times over. Um, so a lot of people came to Batham. And, you know, he, 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 like I said, he wrote a book about systemic family method. Um, it's looked at as actually a, a modality that works. It makes sense. Um, for an insane man, he's a very smart guy, but not too smart because he got arrested, didn't he? Anyways, um, he just, his ego blew up and, uh, it got, it got bad. It got really bad. So, yeah, Batham and he had a partner, Kristen Wallace, who's from Australia, um, they, they did all this, all this crazy, crazy stuff. Um, a few years before Affordable Care kicked in, the uh, PCIP, uh, part of Obamacare, um, most of these rehabs were just, uh, catering to high-end addicts, um, basically celebrities or business moguls, um, who could afford 50 to 100 grand a month. And the luxury rehab business is uh, is alive and well, and it's going. Um, it's 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 crazy that you know you get what you pay for, but sometimes what you pay for is a bunch of crazy shit. Uh, although I was the surfing instructor at um, at Seasons for Batham. Uh, they also did hiking and yoga and paintball fights and go-kart racing and zipline adventures and Native American healing sessions with, uh, <laughs> with sweat lodges when um, the Chumash tribe was uh, informed of Batham doing this by me. Uh, they said he could not do that and they were going to go there. And I don't know what was going to happen. It probably wasn't going to be pretty. It didn't end up happening, but the, nobody was too... Uh, Nobody was too pleased that he was doing that. Um, Batham kind of made uh, his treatment model uh, a, a very active place uh, to keep people busy. Uh, 
it helped to keep people compliant. Um, but if you had more money, I mean, there, there were people that worked there that were not so on the up and up. And people got drugs in there. People slept together. People did all kinds of stuff. Staff members slept with clients. Clients seduced staff members. Uh, bathroom himself was sleeping with uh, basically anybody that would, uh, that would go for it. Uh, that was part of what happened. He got arrested for that as well. Um, yeah, there was some really, really bad stuff that went on there. Um, Batham was also a drug addict. He had a meth and heroin problem. He overdosed in a Malibu hotel, Malibu hotel, uh, while doing drugs with patients. He, he would get, he would get the pretty girls and tell them, you know, hey, you should stick around and, you know, you don't, you don't have, I know you don't want to be here, but, you know, we can get high, just take off your clothes and uh, he did these things he drugged people and uh, he was he was a horrible person he offered people drugs in exchange for sex um, and he got it and uh, it was really bad um, some people went to the show 2020 and he went on 2020 as well and he gave this ridiculous interview he denied everything um, they had photos of him overdosed at the motel, and he claimed they weren't him, that it was identity theft. There was a picture of him on a gurney being loaded into an ambulance, and he said that was identity theft. So, <laughs> uh, you know, there, the, the list of what Batham did, uh, the people that were involved um, are amazing. You know, he had uh, Candy Finnegan, one of the interventionists from the A&E reality show. Um, I think she was director of family programs. Um, I will personally say I'm not a fan. Uh, he had people that were told not to go to work for him because he had already bankrupt and screwed up a couple of places. Uh, Walking Miracles was the, the place that... Uh, it went from seasons to walking miracles to community recovery. Um, I was involved in seasons and a little bit of walking miracles, and then I quit because I just couldn't stand seeing what was going on. There was really no whistleblowing. Uh, nobody knew the depth to which he had sunk. Uh, nobody knew the depravity he had uh, unleashed on people um, and those that do know, I personally didn't know, people that do know, uh, for some unknown reason, only two people were arrested when Batham went down. I believe there are a handful of other people who know, so to speak, where the bodies are buried and where the money went. And Robert Rand will inform you what he thinks happened. Um, there are many theories. We may never know. Hopefully, Batham does not ever get out of prison. His partner, in more ways than one, uh, Kirsten Wallace, it's suspected she helped get the money out of the country. She is from Australia. So, uh, who knows? I think he was paid out $44 million of the $174 million that he had billed the insurance companies. 
So how this pool cleaner hypnotherapist, and I don't even know if he was accredited in that, but who accredits the people that do the accreditations? That's another topic we'll, we'll get into. Um, how he managed to do that is still a big question mark, but he did it and he got busted. So, you know, he was a criminal, but he wasn't that good because he got caught. But actually somebody that worked at, uh, at his company blew the whistle on him and she was a brave woman and she took a lot of flack for it because Batham had a, he had a lot of people behind him that believed in him and he'd, he'd convinced them that he was the way and people were defending him well beyond his arrest. There's probably still some people out there that saying, I owe my life to Chris Batham. Um, I think they should rethink that and consider who helped them there as part of the staff. Because for all the bad things that went on at Seasons and Community and, and Walking Miracles, uh, the staff, for the most part, were amazing people that knew that they were fighting an uphill battle and still managed to help some people. There's people that were clients there in 2010, 2012, that are still sober today. And that's a testimony to the staff and to the work that the individual client did to remain that way. I mean, when these places went bankrupt, they were, they were just bankrupt. Bank, Batham told people, squat, stay here. But some people needed you know, they needed continuing medical care. They needed to be housed. They, they'd put all their money into this. They, they had no money to begin with, whatever the case may be. Um, the staff rallied. The staff found other places to take these people in or put them up themselves. Uh, I mean, some amazing people did some amazing, amazing selfless work long, long into the early morning hours, uh, the, the night that... Um, the seasons went bankrupt, and especially the night that uh, Community Recovery went bankrupt and Batham was on the lam. Um, there's so much more to this story, and you'll find out about it. You know, but, but for every Batham, there's somebody who's doing a good job out there, and there's somebody who really cares, and there's somebody who's not doing it because of greed, and there's somebody who's not doing it for money. Although you do have bills to pay and you have staff to pay and, you know, it's, it's not cheap opening a rehab. It's, it's not a get-rich-quick scheme unless you're of the fraudulent type. Um, but I do want to mention a guy by, by the name of Alan. Alan was there when my brother was seeking some help. He'd been seeking help for a long time. But there's a, there's a group of people, Musicians Assistance Program, MAP. They are now part of the Music Cares umbrella of the Grammy Foundation. There's a woman named Shireen and a man there named Harold. And they did amazing things. And they put me in touch with Alan, who I took my brother to. My brother had drank 
For years and years and years, he was up to a gallon of vodka and a case of beer a day, and he couldn't walk. His neuropathy was so bad. Alan took him in for free and said, okay, if you're willing to do this, if you're willing to do whatever it takes, I will help you. And I'm not going to charge you. My brother couldn't walk. He couldn't write. He couldn't hold a pen. Alan had my brother paint his house. He duct taped the paintbrush to his hand and said, just slap paint around as best you can. This kid behind you will come and clean up. And they painted the house. By the time three or four months were up, my brother was walking. My brother was able to hold a conversation. He was able to look you in the eye. He was able to hold the paintbrush much steadier than he had before. And this guy, out of the kindness of his heart, because he believed that he could give somebody the opportunity to see that they were worth something, uh, he did that for my brother. Now, Alan's no longer in business, which is unfortunate because this industry needs more people like Alan. Uh, but they are out there. And, and I know some of them, and we'll talk about some more of those people later. But for all the downer, bummer, bullshit people, the bottom feeders, there are people like Alan that rise above and beyond and go out of their way, probably at a cost to themselves, a personal cost, and they help people. And, you know, that's what more will be revealed is all about. It's not only letting you know what to avoid, but it's to to celebrate the person who's who's and the people in the groups uh, that are that are doing things that aren't typical. Unfortunately, the people that are doing well aren't typical in this industry. Um, a guy the other day asked me, "So, where do you recommend in, in California that I that I send my kid?" And I couldn't think of a place off the top of my head. I said, okay, I know a place in Bali, I know a place in Thailand, I know a place in Ireland, I know a place in South Africa, but I wouldn't send anybody to a rehab in California that I know of. Actually, none in the States. Um, they come and they go. There are some places. Um, there's a place in Tennessee that is very specified, but they saved a friend of mine's life. Absolutely convinced of that. Um, there are some really good people at some places that may be questionable, but again, a lot of times the staff kind of overrides and supersedes the, the nefarious hijinks of the, of the owners and people do get help even in shitty places. But I've lived in Europe the last three years and I was working over there with people in recovery and... It's very different over there. I'll tell you more about that later. But now I've returned to the States and I don't know a lot of people anymore where they went, what they've done, where, where they've gone and, and who's working where. So I am going to do my research and I'm going to bring people in who know and we're going to do our best to inform you. Um, I know there's probably gonna be a legal department that's gonna tell me I can't say half of this stuff, um, but that's okay. Somebody has to speak up 
for the parents and the clients and the people that are suffering and the people that are in distress and the people who don't know what to do because they're rather voiceless. And if you use Google and you type in, say you live in San Francisco and you say San Francisco Drug and Alcohol Rehab, the first three or four places that show up aren't even gonna be in San Francisco. They're gonna be call centers. Uh, a while back, they were mainly being routed down to Southern Florida where, oh boy, they got people down there that make Chris Batham look like a Boy Scout. Well, maybe not, okay, that may be incorrect. Uh, but Batham certainly fit in with those folk and they, they, they could have taught Batham a thing or two. Um, so South Florida was a real hotbed for body brokering and all kinds of horrible stuff going on down there. And, oh man, just a bad, bad situation down there. Um, but they started cracking down on it. Um, all this information is available on the internet. But, you know, some of you may not have time to while you're driving to work and listening to more will be revealed you can't sit there and browse the internet so we're going to do that for you and we're going to bring in people that have worked at these places we're going to bring in people that have prosecuted these people that have run these shitty places and we're going to bring in and and talk to uh people that are these people that that do well and somehow we're probably going to get some of the people that don't do such great stuff to talk to us because the people who aren't doing great things for some reason think they're above it all and they'll kind of brag about it. So hopefully I'm going to be able to take advantage of their stupidity and put it out there so you don't have to hear it from me. You can hear it from them. Because I know there's more Bathams out there and Batham went on 2020 and babbled away about all of his bullshit. So... <laughs> we'll find them. We will source this out. If any of you have any problems, any concerns, any any places that you want to let us know about, uh, please do. Please tell us who's ripped you off. Please tell us where you found amazing help. We can't be everywhere at all times. I don't know everything about everyone everywhere. Uh, far, far, far from it. I know what I know, and I know people that have turned me on to some stuff. Uh, but I highly encourage uh, the listener, uh, the viewer, if, if we're on YouTube, to let me know. Who do you really recommend? Who do you recommend people stay away from? Uh, from? From big corporate places to little mom and pop places to, you know, everything in between? This information is needed. This is crucial. This is... This is a horrible situation throughout the country, uh, throughout the world. You know, they say in, in the United States, there are 20 million people that need uh, some form of intervention on their drug and alcohol addiction. And about 2% of those people actually seek it out. And of those people that actually seek it out, uh, some, what do they say, the 12-step programs have 3 to 5%. Um, Success rate, now I don't know how you take uh, percentages or, or, or a poll of people in an anonymous program, 
I know a lot of people who have achieved some very long-term sobriety uh, through 12-step groups. I know people who've just stopped drinking and don't do anything but stop. We're going to talk to those people too. I want to offer this out to everybody as, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're Switzerland. We're, well, Switzerland wasn't such a great place after all. Um, we're neutral. Uh, we're not going to tell you any ultimatums. You, you know, you may think what we say is a bunch of shit. You may be one of those people that believes Batham's story over the truth. That's okay. I'm not here to convince anybody of anything. I'm here to inform people. What you do with that information is up to you. Uh, but, uh, the people that are going to come onto the show that are going to talk to you um, are like-minded. They want to help. It's it's something beyond a job. It's a calling. It's a it's a, I don't know. I'll let those people explain to you why they're doing what they're doing. Uh, I was helped early on when I chose to get sober. I accepted the change that I had to make, and I did it. And I was helped by a lot of people who I didn't know. And I didn't have anywhere else to turn, and I didn't have anyone else to trust. And I gave up, not on myself. I gave up on what I thought I knew, because I was just thinking, and I wasn't knowing. And now I know there's a difference. And the intention of the show is to give you information that you can do something with. So I've probably not really hit on any major points 100%. I've probably rambled on. Um, get used to it. Uh, as we bring Robert in and Amy in, they'll provide uh, more factual uh, statistics and and actual dates and times and places and people's names. And I'm I'm more of like the... This isn't very lighthearted or colorful or anything, but that's where it's it's going to head, is that um, we're going to bring you a lot of information. And it's a serious, serious subject, but if we don't have some lightheartedness and some humor to this deadly, deadly situation, uh, it's just going to turn into a doom and gloom piece, and that's not the intention of of more will be revealed, uh, nor of, of mine. Um, more will be revealed as a collective of like-minded people um, who are not alike. And that's what we're gonna do, is we're going to give you a lot of information and we will have phones uh, and texts and emails uh, that we can give to you uh, so you can get a hold of us and you can talk to people and we will put you in touch with people and we will take your suggestions and we will listen to your stories and we will research it. And some of you out there may be participating in helping other people. Um, that actually is an intention of what this whole show is about is to allow the listener to be a part of this, be, make it kind of interactive to where you can call us and say, hey, this place is 
double dipping. This place is overcharging. This place is miraculous. These people are unbelievable. How could you have not have heard of them? Well, easy. Can't know everything, can't be everywhere. So as much as my ego would like to take credit for all the amazing things we're going to do for you, I can't. And I've got to dumb it down and know that I don't know uh, everything. I know some stuff. I've been through some stuff. But I'm going to be able to give a lot of people the opportunity to share information and hopefully make this often really scary, really uh, slippery place where you can be preyed upon and taken advantage of. Make it a safer place. That's, that's the goal. That is the desire of everybody involved in the show is to help people negotiate, navigate, and get through all the bullshit, find the right people, find the right help, and get on track and hopefully make this show go off the air. I don't want to have to do this. I want to do this. It's something I have to do. Um, My ex-wife would say that's why she's my ex-wife, to some degree. Um, I tend to get a little single-focused. And although possibly detrimental, uh, things happen and things are what they are. I can't blame my passion for my work for everything. Uh, I'm going to leave it at that. I'm here collecting people to tell other people that there's some good news. And we're going to let you know some bad news. But hopefully that's going to help you. In fact, I'm pretty sure it will. And if I don't get sued for libel or slander or whatever it is that some of these people are going to throw at me, um, I will continue to do this as long as it's needed. And... (laughs) I hope that's not a real long time, but if it is, then I will do it. Uh, I hope that you get information that you need here. I hope that you're able to have some of the questions that you have answered. And I hope that you may find some peace and some ease and some relief and some hope in the information and the way we give it to you. Uh, I wish you all well. Be good to yourselves. We'll talk to you next week. This is Brandon Cruz for More Will Be Revealed.